Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Why, hello there. It's your old pal, Sarah Silverman, and I'm back with a brand new season of the Sarah Silverman Podcast. On my podcast, I am talking about uh, everything politics. Yeah, we get into it. Favorite sandwich shop in L.A.? I know a few spots, and I'm going to tell you about them. I'm also going to be talking to you. I will be reacting and responding to listener voicemails in real time. Let me tell you, things can get weird, and I love every second of it. Weird is my comfort zone. The newest season of the Sarah Silverman Podcast is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Lemonada. NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast serves you recommendations and commentary on the buzziest movies, TV, music, books, video games, and more. Five days a week, hosts Linda Holmes, Glenn Weldon, Stephen Thompson, and Aisha Harris, plus a rotating cast of guest pop culture aficionados, explore pop culture from lowbrow to highbrow to the stuff in between. In this episode, Aisha Harris talks to Brittany Luce and Odie Henderson about the three-decade run of The Maury Povich Show and the end of an era as he retires. In the case of 10-month-old royalty, Daryl, you are not... <laughs> Even if you've never seen a single episode of the talk show Maury, you're almost certainly familiar with that salacious catchphrase. For more than three decades, flamboyant guests have sought paternity tests and lie detector tests for significant others. They've yelled, bawled, and kicked over chairs. Now the show's host, Maury Povich, is retiring, and it's the end of an era for a particular brand of uber-trashy daytime TV. I'm Aisha Harris, and today we're talking about Maury on Pop Quarter Happy Hour from NPR. Joining me today is Brittany Luce. She's the co-host of For Colored Nerds and the soon-to-be host of NPR's It's Been a Minute. Welcome back, Brittany. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, it makes me so happy to say that. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us is Odie Henderson. He's a film critic at RogerEbert.com. Welcome back to you too, Odie. The lie detected is determined. You're telling the truth. <laughs> Oh, man, we're going to have some fun with this, I think. But also, there's a lot of lot of things to talk about here. So anyway, Maury was initially branded as the Maury Povich Show. It debuted in 1991, just a couple of weeks before the premiere of Jerry Springer and in the midst of daytime TV's heyday. Now, over the course of three-plus decades, Maury came to epitomize all the trashiest elements of the daytime TV talk show genre. Recurring topics included pregnant teens, out-of-control teens sent to boot camp, adults confronting their high school bullies, cheating partners, and of course, paternity tests. The show has been popular enough to inspire many memes and even a promotional stunt for a Lil Nas X music video. I'll wait, I'll wait, Maury. John. He's so German. Have you had sexual contact with any other person besides Montero or Ashley? He hasn't. You he said hasn't. no, and the lie detector test determined that was a lie. More, more than 10. 
Laurier has also had its detractors who have pointedly criticized it for exploiting people of color and the working class. The show aired its final new episodes this month, but you'll still be able to watch reruns of Maury in syndication. Maury is 83 years old and retired with the title of the longest running daytime talk host ever. So... I'm glad we have you both on here because I know you both have personal, semi-personal connections to this show (laughs) that I'm sure we'll get into. Brittany, let's start with you. What are your feelings on Maury and what is your history with Maury? Depending on what time he aired where you lived, either you were home after school or you were home sick from school Mm -hmm. watching Maury Povich. That's how I first became introduced to Maury, but I still wasn't a big Maury person. I mean, we have to remember like in the 90s, Jerry Springer was like it. Yeah. I think actually Maury has been able to ascend to the heights that he has been able to as sort of like the king of daytime trash, specifically because Jerry Springer had kind of, you know, hung up his hat a little bit. But yeah, there's like a, oh, and then also too, when I was in college, E-Bombs World, for people who are very young, was a website where you used to be able to watch video clips before they were on YouTube or now obviously TikTok or Instagram or something like that. And so we used to watch paternity test reaction videos, which of course, compilations of which are very popular on YouTube now. Yeah, But I actually got to attend a double taping of the Maury Povich show. My husband is a documentary film editor and one of his colleagues uh, had worked on the show for a while. They sent us a chartered bus to pick us up in Brooklyn, (laughs) drove us out to Stanford for the taping. We got to go go to one taping. They gave us pizza in between and we got to go backstage and meet more. <laughs> and like go see the route that people run along when they're running away from the paternity. <laughs> oh, no. and then, did you run away like just to test it out? <laughs> I gave a little bit of a jog. I definitely did try to capture as much of the energy. But yeah, and then we watched the second episode, which was da-da-da, a paternity test. Wow. I fully acknowledge that the Maury Povich show is complete trash. I do question what it has done to society <laughs> for us to be exposed to that. But then the other thing I also think about too is like, yeah, it also just feels like a vestige of a previous time. I don't think I think maybe if I talked to somebody who was under the age of 30, they wouldn't remember what used to be on Oprah, for instance, Mm, before she became very remembering your spirit. Like Maury is exemplary of what a lot of daytime TV, almost all of daytime TV basically used to be like. Yeah, it's the child of the Oprah of the 80s and also Mm -hmm. the Phil Donahue, (gasps) that whole era. Odie, what is your connection? It's It goes even a little bit deeper than <laughs> than Brittany does somehow. <laughs> well, Maury is on at four o'clock here in New York, and it's good background noise. I wrote code for a long time, and I would put on Maury in the afternoon because you don't have to look at it. You can just listen to it. My first introduction to Maury Poe, which was he was on A Current Affair, which is on at 7.30 on Channel 5 here. And then he went to his show, and his show was kind of Oprah-y, until, like you said, Jerry Springer took off, and then he's got trashier. Some years ago, a friend of mine went on the Maury show, and I went with him to, because you could bring people, if you were on the Maury show, you could bring people, like to be your cheerleading section, or to be your, like, they're with me instead of cheating. <laughs> so when his girlfriend made him go on the show, I drove up to Stanford, she drove by herself to go up to Maury, and I said, you know, just between you, me, and I-95, are you cheating on her? And he said, no, why would I go on a show and make an, a fool of myself if I was the lion? And so I'm sitting in the audience and basically he just bombed the lie detector. I mean, the first question, like, what is your name? The lie detector chairman, that was a lie. That's how bad it was. It was off the chart. And so she ran off the stage. He ran after her and they had it on the screen so you could see what's going on. And she started whipping his behind. What? They didn't put this on television, by the way. 
and they had to separate them. And I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> so that was my time with someone who was on the Maury show. Another friend of mine went on, but I wasn't on, in the audience mm-hmm. for a paternity test. He was not the father. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How many people do you know who have been on these shows? Say, that's that's a that's a high four. high average. I know I four people four. on these trashy shows. <laughs> oh wow! Well, I can't help but think about, like you said, Odie. Why are people doing this on national television now? With like the courtroom shows, you can kind of understand because I think it's generally uh, agreed upon that. If you're going on a courtroom show, you're suing someone, the show is going to pay for, like, no matter the outcome, if there is an outcome, yes. the show is going to pay for that. So there's an incentive there to, mm-hmm. you know, possibly embarrass yourself on TV in order to get a debt paid. But here it's like, okay, a paternity test, it's basically turning this very serious question about, like, family and who you're father might be into a circus and performance. And each episode, if you've watched it enough, you can easily see the formula that is put in place there. You've got mm-hmm. the oohs and the ahs and the boos from the audience. And depending on how the storyline is set up by Maury, sometimes it's the woman whose partner is denying the paternity and she's like, yes, you are. And from the get-go, the audience is on the woman's side until all of a sudden it might switch for whatever reason. And then she gets booed. Mm-hmm. There's the people who are going on the show who think that their partner is cheating and getting really emphatic about it. Everyone's always talking loud. It feels very scripted in many ways when they're actually like explaining what's going on. How has this affected what we think about family and race and all these things? Because again, most of these people are also people of color who are working class. All these things are being played for entertainment. But then Maury is sort of this like a mediator, but he's also the sower of chaos <laughs> and and how he's sort of crafted himself as a father figure in a way that like Jerry Springer never did. And even like Ricky Lake was that she never seemed like a maternal force, but he very clearly sees himself in that way. That's a really good point that you made about the fact that like Maury kind of wants to sit as this like this person who's sort of like doling out judgments or this like sort of above it all figure that's going to solve this problem. You don't know who's the father of your child, more he's going to solve the problem. And even in the way that he regards his guests, it's almost like he wants to act as if he's doing them this huge favor. Um, And at the end of the day, obviously, like he's getting paid. Yeah. My hypothesis is that the show turned like really hard toward this type of show because it performed well. It performed well because the culture was in a very different place with regard to the conversations that you're bringing up, Aisha. I think that on some level, Maury had to create this paternal character in order to make the turn toward this type of content seem less bald. And then the other thing is, is when you attend the show, on some level, everybody has bought into the economy of Maury. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know. I wonder if like Maury has kind of developed this character and then played it so much that even the the contestants either are convinced or want to be convinced that he's doing this great moral good for them in bringing closure or bringing um, some finality to this big festering chapter in their lives, such as paternity or cheating or something like that. Like there also, though, is like sort of like a wink wink from the show, too. Like on some level, the show knows that sort of paternal character of Maury is a character because they also do certain things that are like flat out hilarious. 
Like sexy decoys. Yes, yeah. The name sexy decoy is one of the funniest phrases <laughs> of the English language to me. So just, we should set up what a sexy decoy is. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. in the episodes where there are suspicions of cheating, mm-hmm. they would have someone from the show, like who worked behind the scenes or whatever, they would sometimes like sit in the waiting room while they're like in the green room waiting to be on the show. And they pretend they were like another guest, but they were actually working with the show and come on to that person. And then during the show, you would see whether or not the person took the bait and actually like started yeah. flirting with them or if they backed off and were like, no. And it's another thing where it's like, again, so many of these people clearly watch the show. Right. So it's like, yes, how do you get caught? How do you get caught? Yeah, how do you get caught? With it's a like, sexy decoy. Your, your alarm bell should be up if you're there because your partner thinks you're cheating. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, if somebody's calling you to the Maury show, because like you're traveling, you've booked hotels, like you know what's going on. You know you were there for like one of three reasons, basically. <laughs> That's all they do. The whole show is just one of those things. But yeah. I don't care how hot you are. Somebody sitting down and 30 seconds later is ramming their tongue down your throat. That's <laughs> nonsense. Yes. Nonsense. Not only is that nonsense everywhere, but in the waiting room of the Maury show, no less. It's like, right. have we learned nothing? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the show like knows that that's hilarious and they know that that's ridiculous. That like, I feel like also the paternal character of Maury also has to be just as deliberate. Yeah. I, I think the shining for it of it is rather entertaining, but <laughs> I think with Maury, part of me thinks that these people come on just because they want to have their 15 minutes of fame. I think the other thing is that they prove, well, if, it, if Maury says it, then it's true. Or mm-hmm. if Maury approves it, then that gives some legitimacy to it, as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Just watching the show, if you watch one episode of the show, you pretty much have it down pat. So if you go on the show, how can you fall into these pitfalls all the time, every single time? And, and one other thing, Jerry Springer, his show originally was very much like Donahue. Mm-hmm. Once Oprah kicked his behind in the ratings, he turned into... The Jerry Springer that we know. Oh, yeah. Same thing happened with Maury. He had to create that persona if you wanted to stay on the air. Mm. Yeah. Brittany, you're talking about how the show became, it became very self-aware and very meta in many ways. And I think it also just sort of developed its own language mm-hmm. in a way that like sort of surpassed the other shows in its wake. And I think that might be one of the reasons why it's lasted so long mm. is because like that language wasn't just about, you know, those familiar beats of each one, but there's also... When we're talking about paternity tests, it's like guests would come on and then they'd start saying, of course, it's him. He has the same this. He has the same eyes. I have the same. Like it became like this weird, very queasy way of like trying to explain genetics and science. I want to play this clip, Mm. which kind of encapsulates how this show had its very own language to the point where sometimes when it diverged, Maury would actually like acknowledge it um so here's a clip of one of those like paternity tests they feed they feed look just alike look at their toes they toes look just alike maury they got the same feet this is the first time in the history of this show we compared feet it's such a bizarre a bizarre way of looking at things and in in many ways i do enjoy watching the show too and i obviously i've watched a lot of it but it, it does make me feel in many ways uncomfortable doing so and i and i think i should feel uncomfortable about it because i do think that it plays into so many of these ideas about race and genetics and oftentimes we could do a whole show about like just the interracial couples And the way that those things play out where it's like almost always a white woman and a black man. And then like 
how it kind of plays into these ideas about black men being absentee fathers and and what kind of white women they might be into. And colorism. And mm-hmm. color. There's just so many things. And when they're talking about babies. And it's a show that I think, even more so than so many other talk shows of its time, really plays up that schadenfreude that you were mentioning, Odie, where mm-hmm. like it's easy for me as someone who has never been in that position to sort of just look down on these people and especially not just the men, but the women as well. And it just <laughs> makes me very uncomfortable. And I think it's a reason why, like, up until preparing for this episode, like, I haven't actually watched Maury in, like, years. I like trash TV. I still watch a lot of really trashy TV. Mm-hmm. But I think just how bold, it, how, like, how in your face it is and not subtle it is about it is where I struggle with it. And I do think that, like, it's past its prime and we don't need it anymore. I mean, there's been more than 3,000 episodes of the show at this point. 3,000? Yes. He, I think, like, you know, what do they say at the end of Babe? Like, that'll do. That'll do, <laughs> that'll do pig. That'll do. <laughs> that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> well, how do you think, like, Maury, in general, has sort of permeated the culture beyond the daytime TV talk realm? Obviously, younger people know about it. Lil Nas X, who's like, yeah, his, he's a Gen Zer. He did an entire promo for it for his music video. So clearly, people know about it, even if it only lives on online. But like, do you see any of its like DNA in other things, other realms of reality TV, or even stuff that's on the internet? That's a really good question. Things like that, though, that happen on television, specifically reality TV. Those were popular features of just about every popular talk show from back in the day, like back in the 80s and 90s. Now that Maury's ending, even I think about someone like Wendy Williams, right? Wendy Williams. You could do a show on that. A problematic queen if I've ever ever heard of one. Yes. She's done so many reprehensible, like done so many reprehensible things to people who have not come on her show and ask for it, right? But also, it's also been a huge barrier breaker in a certain way. And there is a case to be made that like a lot of people who are currently making a lot of money hosting different types of shows or after shows or are cribbing from Wendy Williams style. I don't know if you can maybe make the same specific claim about Maury. I just think that like in the past, it was all about trashy talk shows. And now it's all about like trashy housewives and sort of like rich people um, type stuff. And now I feel like we've kind of moved beyond that to sort of like, what are the soapy, trashy drama inherent in other worlds as well? Like Dance Moms, like Cheer, like 90 Day. Yeah, And now he is influencing court shows because now we have fraternity court. Mm. All these things are people coming on and fighting in a slightly more, I'll use the word dignified, even though I don't mean it, fashion. And it's a court show instead of Maury, which, as you said earlier, Aisha, that, you know, they're going to pay for whatever damages are, you know, when you go on a court show. So there's some incentive to that. And I think that you're seeing with like Lauren Lake and these other people, these kind of extensions of Maury, they're trying to clean it up a little bit, but it winds up being the same thing. Yeah, I agree with you both. I think like America loves our trash. It comes in different forms and it comes in ebbs and flows. And I do think a lot of that has been transferred onto celebrities now, Mm. like D-list, C-list, or like very particular niche celebrities when we're talking about, you know, something like The Shade Room that Mm. is oftentimes that platform is about who's fighting with who, who might be the father, like all those things are happening out there. So I think it's a lot of it is just transferred onto minor public figures and a lot of it plays out in social media. 
Maury, man. I don't I don't even know. We haven't even talked about the other types of episodes that he's done on that show. <laughs> but it, it the paternity test stuff, it clearly is the thing that he will be remembered for and looms over the show. And uh, as we already said, it's in syndication, so it's not like it's going anywhere. But mm. <laughs> we want to know what you think about Maury. You can find us at facebook.com slash PCHH and on Twitter at PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Brittany Luce, Odie Henderson, thanks to you both for being here and sharing your personal insights and experiences with (laughs) The Maury Show. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This episode was produced by Candice Lim and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello, Come In provides our theme music. I'm Aisha Harris, and we'll see you all tomorrow. I'm Paul F. Tompkins. I'm Lauren Lapkus. I'm Scott Ackerman, and together we make up the show Freedom! Freedom is a show where the three of us who are comedians and also friends, we all just hang out, we tell stories about each other, and <laughs> <about> ourselves, <laughs> usually. We're constantly telling stories about each other. You gotta hear what Paul did. <laughs> and we play games, and we laugh a lot. It's just that simple. It's a really easy podcast. This is a pretty good representation of the show. Actually. It's actually exactly what it is, plus singing. <laughs> so, listen to it now. The new season's out. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Just go outside and scream freedom. Just like we do. Freedom! Freedom! Last Day is a show about the moments that change us. I just don't think I will ever get used to this. I'm Stephanie Whittles-Wax, and I have had one of these moments. We all have. So let's unpack the chaos that is our human existence together. I don't believe things happen for a reason. I don't believe the universe has a plan. Each week, I sit down with a new guest to explore happy, sad stories of transformation. It's leaning far, far into the pain. That's what it is. Listen to Last Day wherever you get your podcasts.